are about to listen to a broadcast of the Greater Harvest Church in Ellenwood, Georgia. In this episode, Dr. Eddie Montgomery Sr. ministers a message entitled 10 Pounds. Stay tuned. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord again, everybody. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Praise. Amen. Because he's worthy of our praise. I think that if God has done anything for you this week, you should praise him. Amen. You should give him the glory, the honor, and all of the praise because he is worthy of all of our praise. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I thank God this morning. Amen. For just being so good. Praise him for being a blessing to you and for also for being a blessing to his house. Because I, we, we say it all the time, but I believe that if, if you bless God's house, God sure enough going to bless your house. Amen. 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 It's a law. It's a law. Amen. In, in our, our terms, we call it the law of reciprocity. But I thank God because God is not only reciprocal, but God is a God of favor. Somebody shout favor. Favor. God will go over and above what you can even imagine, think, or even expect. He does more than what you are expecting. Amen. And that's a blessing by itself, for him to do more than what you are expecting. We thank God for each and every one of you that are watching on today, that are in the sanctuary. We also praise God for those of you that are in our virtual space, amen, on Facebook Live. We thank God for all of our members, amen, that are abroad, those that are here, those that are abroad, those that are in the other countries, amen. We thank God for you that are in the Philippines. We, God bless you, amen, Pastor Jovea, Sister Josie, and all of your family members, amen, that are in the Philippines, that's right, we give you praise and thank God for you because we know that it's, a, it's, it, it's not easy when you're going day by day, amen, and sometimes you face adverse situations, but I thank God because God is an able God, he comes through all the time, amen, and I thank him for it, we praise God for it and we bless his name. We're going to be reading this morning from the book of Luke, amen, the, the 19th chapter. The book of Luke, the 19th chapter, and I'm going to start at the 11th verse. The book of Luke, the 19th chapter, and the 11th verse. I thank God for the word of God, and as we prepare, I pray that the Lord will allow your hearts to be receptive to the word, that the word will actually come alive in your lifetime today. And that this message on today will be for somebody. Somebody needs to hear this word on today. Amen? Amen. Our, my message on this morning, if I were to give it a title, it would be 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Uh, we know that there, is, there was a movie out uh, a few, few years ago with, uh, I believe it's Will Smith, and this is not no takeoff or nothing like that on Will Smith, but it was just a movie that he had produced, and it was called Seven Ounces. And he had determined that, that if a person is actually reduced to nothing, they wind up only being weighing seven ounces. When you take everything out and you just, you know, if you cremate them and all of that, all that you'll have left of them is just seven ounces. Now, eight ounces is a small cup. You, you all know an eight ounce cup, amen? That's, that's less than a can of soda. A can of soda is 12 ounces. So you can imagine, here you are almost five or six feet tall and getting reduced to seven ounces. That's all that we are, amen? So that tells me that we literally are infinitesimal, nothing when it comes here to God, because God is, is bigger than the universe. He's more weighty than the sun. He's more weighty than the moon. He's more weighty than the earth. He's more weighty than Jupiter, the biggest planet that we can, can surmise. He's more weighty than that. So God is a big God. But yet still, he has microvision. Come on, come on now, somebody. Say microvision. Because God can look down through all of the ages, through all of the space, and see you and see me. He's able to recognize you and to recognize me. We might be able to look for a couple of miles if we were straining at something, but after a few miles, our vision would become blurry because we would not be able to focus on whatever it is that we're staring at any longer. But God is able to focus on you and me, no matter where he is in this entire universe, in this, this galaxy, no matter where he's at, he focuses on you and on me. So in the book of Luke, the 19th chapter and the 11th verse, 
And I thank God for this word. I, I, I didn't get a chance to, to really prepare for it as well as I would like, but the Lord said, just go on and do what you're supposed to do and open your mouth and I'll speak for you. So I thank God, amen, because I don't try and use my, my mind or my intellect to discern or to, to tell you about the word of God. I give you what the word says, amen? That way we keep it safe. Somebody shout, keep it safe, Pastor. Keep it safe, amen. So in the 11th verse of the 19th chapter of the book of Luke, it says, and they, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable or a short story because he was nigh unto Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Jesus had been speaking to them about the kingdom of God and that was the focus of his message. He said, you all are thinking about the, the, the word and thinking of it in natural terms, but Jesus spoke a lot of things to the people in spiritual terms. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. So they were thinking, wow, the kingdom of God must be shortly to come to pass. It must be, a, 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 you know, Jesus is speaking about it so eloquently and so deliberately that it must be imminent. It must, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. In other words, it's, it's an emerging. And you see, the thing about it is when you have been in existence throughout all eternity, then it's not surprising for you to use things and to say something that's going to happen a thousand years from now. You say it's immediate. It's, it's ready to happen like, like that. And, and I thank God because, see, God, he knows all time. He sees the beginning and he sees the end. So when he sees things happening during the timeline that he has set for the course of this world, then it's not surprising to him to be able to say that the kingdom of God is immediate. The kingdom of God is at hand because to him, it doesn't have a, this earth doesn't have a long time before he purges it. Before he cleans it, before he, he wipes things up. And, and for us, we may say, wow, a hundred years, this person lived a hundred years or 110 years. And to us, that's a long time. But to, to God, that's less than the blink of an eye. Amen? Because he sees all time. So it says that they thought that the kingdom of God should appear immediately or immediately appear. But the 12th verse says, and he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. Somebody shout 10 pounds. 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Now during that time, that was money was weighted. So the things that you would exchange, they did it based on the weight, how much weight it had. If you had uh, a few pounds of gold, that was worth something. If you had some silver and you put it on the scale, and they would weigh it to determine how much it was worth. Same thing with a, a measure of barley or a measure of wheat. Whatever you had, they would put it, or a measure of grain, they would put it on the scale, and they would measure it. They would weigh it, and that would determine how much it was worth. When you were weigh something, it would determine how much it is worth. I'll say that again, amen, because some of you don't think got it. When you would weigh something, it would determine how much it is worth. So you have to measure it. You have to weigh it first. You have to put it under some kind of a scale, something to measure it with. It says then that in the 13th verse, and he called his 10 service and delivered unto, uh, unto them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy until I come or till I come. In other words, work with this. Yeah, work with this until I come. Put it to use until I come back. That's what the, the master said to the servants. Work with this until I come. Occupy. If you've got an occupation, that means you have some calling or some work. You're doing something. I, I will ask you the question, what is your occupation? And if you say, well, I'm a policeman or I'm a fireman or I'm a, a, a housewife or I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer or I'm an Indian chief. Whatever it is, you have an occupation. You have a job to do and you can do that job as long as you, that is your occupation. Now, now, there comes a time when some people, they lose their occupation. They can no longer do what it is that they would have trained to do. Oh yeah, they, they will lose certain skills or they'll lose the ability to do whatever it was they were 
trained to do. So they can no longer do it. They are weighed and they are measured. And when they are measured and they find that they can no longer do that thing, the people say that's no longer your occupation because you can't fulfill that role anymore. So you lose your occupation when you can no longer do what you have been called to do. Hmm. So he says to them in the 14th verse, but his citizens hated him. In other words, the people of that city, the people of that country, they hated him. They despised him. And sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Yeah, they didn't want him to be over them, even though he had rightfully earned the right to call it his country. He was now the leader of it, but they did not want him over them. So they, 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 they refuted him. They said, no, don't, don't have him come here. We don't want, we're not going to have him over us because this is our place. But see, he had a right to it. Oh, yeah, he had a right to it. So he says, I'm coming anyway. Whether you as a citizen want me to be here or not, I'm still coming. It doesn't matter when, when you have a right to something. It doesn't matter who is opposing you because you know you, you're the rightful owner. Right. Amen? Amen? Amen. Somebody get your car keys if you got it handy. Get your car keys. Take your car key out. I, I want to see, see your car key. Yeah. Come on up here sit, real quick, Sister DeYoung. I, I want to see this real quick. Because the, you have the car key in your hand, right? Is that the car key to the, the door of the car? Amen. That's the car key to the door of the car. And does it also go into the ignition? It starts the car up? And if it starts the car up, then I can take the key and I can drive off with the car, right? As long as I have the key. Yeah, if I've got the key, I can drive off with it. But but if I drive off with the key, because I it's not mine, I didn't pay for this key, she just happened to have it, and I took it from her, so it's not mine. So therefore, if I drive off and I drive all, all the way to North Carolina and I don't come back, Sister Deanna is going to call the police and say, somebody, come on now, somebody has done what? Stolen my car. Somebody has stolen my car because they are not the rightful owner. They have the key. Yeah, they have the key, but it doesn't belong to them. So therefore, they have stolen. They have, they're using my car unlawfully. Unlawfully. So as a result, when they, they find me, police find me and they lock me up. And they take the keys from me and they give them back to Sister Diana. And they said, she, because we're giving them to her because she is the rightful owner. Yeah. The rightful owner. See, this man that came to this country, he was the rightful owner of the country. He was the rightful authority. He was the one who held all of the, the deeds and all of the titles. He was the one who truly was the rightful owner. Yeah. And just because the citizens were there, it didn't matter because they were also part of his country. If they wanted to stay in the country, they had to subject themselves unto his rule because he was the rightful owner. So it says here that they said they didn't want him to reign over them. But the 15th verse says, and it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, because he got it anyway. Amen. He got it anyway. He returned from receiving the kingdom. Then he commanded these servants to be called unto him. And to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Because you see, he told them to occupy. In other words, to work. Occupy until I come back. So to work until I come back. Do something with the money until I come back. Do something with the 10 pounds that I gave you until I, can, until I come back. So then came he, came he to the first saying, Lord, or then came the first to, to him, saying, Lord, thy pound that thou that has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Look at there now. Just because they had, had, had worked with what the, the master gave them, he then put him over a whole lot more. He says, I'm not just going to give you one pound, but I'm going to give you a whole city. Somebody say surplus. 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 Yeah, that's a lot. Surplus. He says, I'm giving you excess, abundant, even more than what you could ask or think. I'm giving you that because you've been faithful right. over a few things. Right. 
You've been faithful over a few things. And then he says in the 18th verse, and the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound have gained five pounds. Oh, yeah, you've done pretty well. Five pounds. He says that likewise unto him, be thou also over five cities. Wow. Wow. So, so, so the one that gained ten pounds, he gave him ten cities. The one that had gained five more pounds, he gave them five cities. That sounds equitable, amen? A city per, for each pound. So he says, that sounds well. That sounds good. It says in the 20th verse, another king saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound which I have kept laid up in a napkin. In other words, I hid it. I hid it. I, I didn't do anything with it. I hid it. And then here you go. I'll give it back to you. You gave it to me. You gave me one pound, so I'll give you back one pound. Wow. I don't even think the bank would like that so well. If, if they lend you $1,000 and you come back to them and you say, here's the $1,000 I gave you, that y'all gave me, they're going to turn around and say, whoa, whoa, hold up. What about the what? Where's the interest? Where's the interest? In other words, you use our money now for all this time. You owe us something back in return. We know we've given you the $1,000 and you're giving us that back. That's just the principle. Okay, that's the principle. But where is the interest? In other words, where is the gain or the profit from what? Why would we give you the thousand dollars unless we expected we were going to get something more in return? See, you have to have that kind of a mentality with the kingdom of God too. If you are sacrificing things in your life today, and for the kingdom of God's sake, then don't you know that God is a very good steward? Don't you know that God will bless you with even more than what you're giving to Him? He will bless you with more than what you're putting out to him. So God says that. The steward, he came and he says, I've got yours. And it's in a napkin. I put it in a napkin. And, and here it is. You, you can have it back. He says, for I feared thee because thou art an austere man. In other words, you're a very strict business person. Uh, one that takest up that thou hast not sown or laid down. And reapest that thou didst not sow. In other words, you're taking up stuff that you didn't work for. See, there's a principle there for us to learn right this morning because when God gives us a charge, he tells us to do something. He expects us to not just verbatim, okay, Lord, I'll take this and I'll hold on to it. No, he says, get creative because God is a creative God. Yes, he, is. he says, if you give me a, the elements of a universe, I'm going to do something with it. Yeah, before you know it, I'll create a world, I'll create people, I'll create stars, I'll create a moon, I'll create a sun. God will do whatever he wants to do with the things he has to work with. And he says, because you were made in my image, because you are so much like me, I give you the ability to create things too. So when God gives you something, come on somebody, you got to hear this message on today. When God gives you something, he expects you to do something with it. Yes, he does. He expects you to do something with it. God doesn't expect you to just sit on it. If God gives you a gift, he wants you to use that gift. Amen. Why? The word of God clearly says that your gift will make room for you. In other words, your gift will make some space for you so that you can add to it. Not just let it sit there, not just take away from it, but your gift will make room for you. So when God gives you something, he expects you to occupy. He expects you to work it. He expects you to do something with it. So on today, we, we, we command, amen, and we exhort you to look at what God has already given you. Don't look at, well, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. God, I can't do anything So until you bless me with this. I can't do nothing until you bless me with that. No, God says, use what you've got. What I've already given you, you use that. And he had to remind Moses of that same example when Moses was, he had given him the commandment to let the children of Israel go and to told Moses, I'm going to use you as a spokesperson to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses began to offer up excuses. He says, I'm not very good at speaking. You know, I, I stutter sometimes. I, 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 I try to get my words out, and, and they don't come out so well. And people don't take me serious because I, I stutter sometimes. 
And God says, well, okay, then I will give your brother Aaron. I'll let you use him as a spokesperson because Aaron, he speaks all right. He doesn't stutter. So you tell Aaron what I've said, and then Aaron can communicate it to the people. And Moses continued to offer up, you know, offer up excuses. And, and the, the, he says, well, but, but Pharaoh, he's a... He's an astute man. He's a you know he he knows how to throw a javelin. He knows how to use a spear. So he's he's a you know a, a soldier. He's a warrior. And I, I don't know about this guy. You talk about me going down there and telling him to let the people go. That means that that's like me declaring war. And the Lord asks Moses. He says, "What is it that you have in your hand?" Come on, man. Come on now. What do you have in your hand? Turn your palm up and look at it. Say, 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 Lord, what's in my hand? What's in my hand? See, now some of you are looking at the palm of your hands and saying, I see nothing. But there are others, I submit, that are looking at your hand and saying, I see money. I see the car key. I see a house key. I see the paycheck for my new job. I see a whole lot of things in my hand because I can hold those and use those to do things with them. I can, I can work. If you give me a little bit of money, I can turn it and I can flip it. I can do something with it. I can work it. You give me $10 and before long, I'll turn it into $20, brother. Come on now. You give me $1,000 and before you know it, it'll wind up being $1,500 or $2,000. And God knows if you give me a million, sure enough, I'm going to wind up turning that into $2 million before you know it. So I'm looking at what's in my hand. See, but you've got to be able to see what you don't see. Why? Because that's exactly right. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. So you got to learn how to live by faith, how to see by faith, how to think by faith. Oh, Jesus. How do you think by faith? You look and you use what that creative ability that God has given you, and you say, I see what I don't see. Because sooner or later, if I keep looking for it, it shall manifest itself. Because I know that God says if I can take what's in my hand and use that. And some of you don't even realize that your hand is a utensil by itself. You can do things with your hand that you can't do with your feet. You can do things with your hand that you can't do with your eyes. You can do things with your hand that you can't do with your ears. So your hand is a utensil by itself. It's a tool that you can use to get what God says you can have. Your hand, your hand, your hand. That's why we lift up our hands unto the Lord. We lift them up because we are asking God to anoint our hands. That's right. Do it right now. Just lift your hands and say, God, anoint my hands. Anoint my hands so that I can do what you tell me to do. And what you've given me, Lord, to do. What you said, occupy. I can occupy if you anoint my hands. I can occupy. I can do some work if you'll anoint my hands, Father. I don't know what's in my hand right now. I may not see it, but by faith, I believe there's something there. Jesus, there's something there. Now, I want you to see that on this morning. you got to look at your hand and say, there's something there. There's something there. I may not see it, but God knows there's something in my hand. And I believe it's there, and I'm going to see the manifestation if I continue to exercise my faith. It's in my hands. So he tells them, he tells the man, he says, that you take up what you didn't plant, you reap what you haven't sown. And, and then the 22nd verse, he says unto him, out of thy own mouth will I judge thee. That's what the master told him. He says, you are a wicked servant. A wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man. You already knew that. Taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. You knew I was a business person. Now, what's the one thing, Pastor, that a business person is focused on if they're running a business? They want to make a what? A profit. They want to make a profit. Yeah, they don't want to just run the business for the fun of it. No, it's not a hobby. No, they want to make money. They want to make a profit out of it. And if they don't make a profit, if they tell you, well, this month we broke even, what does that mean? We put in and we were only able to get out exactly what we put in. Well, that's not growth. If you only can get out what you put in, that's not growth. And God's looking at us that way. He says, I've put you into the earth, but when it's time for me to call you home, am I going to see any results, any profit, any benefit from you having been here on this earth? 
is the earth any better because you were here? That's what we're saying. Is the earth any better because you were here? Now, if the earth is not better because you were here, then your life has been lived in vain. God looks at you and says, you haven't been fruitful. You haven't been profitable. You haven't multiplied. What happened? I put you there with a purpose. What happened? And you can give God all the excuses. Well, I knew you were an awesome God. I knew you were a fearful God. I knew you were, I, was, I feared you. And I knew that you were a powerful God, but I didn't do anything with what you gave me, Lord. I just kept my own life. I just, I didn't try and get anyone saved. I just tried to save myself. And that's all I did, Lord. And the Lord looks at you and says, you are a wicked servant. See, now this is different. This is different because that word really that, that modified the word wicked was servant. He calls us all as servants, which means our occupation, our job is to serve, to serve. If I'm a servant, then I should serve. If I'm a master, then I should be excellent at the things that I'm responsible for. I should be perfect. I should be the master of whatever it is over whatever it is that I have been called to do. But if I'm a servant, then I've been called and it is my occupation to serve. That's my job, to serve. If I'm a servant in your house, when it's time for you to eat, I should do what with the food? I should serve you the food. Yeah, I should serve you the food. If, if it's time for, 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 for you to take off your shoes and, and me to wash your feet, I should do that if that's my job, and I should do it well. But if I don't do my job well, says, the Lord calls them wicked service. Wicked service. In other words, you do contrary or the opposite of what I asked you to do. He says, I wanted you to occupy until I come. I told you to trade with it. I told you to work it until I come back. But instead, you hid it in a napkin. Now, where did you get that from? You hid it in a napkin. Instead of using it. This message goes so deep, saints, because it, for some people, it's a matter of how much you're willing to risk to please God. Oh, yeah, I'll say that again, because that went deep. That went real deep. How much are you willing to risk to please God? There are some who says, no, I can't risk losing my friends. You know, if I, if I commit myself to God, they'll laugh at me. They'll say that, you know, I'm, I'm a holy roller. Or they'll say I'm one of those religious types. They'll tell me that, you know, he's a Christian guy now, so he don't do certain things. He doesn't, you know, so we can't fool with him. And, and they think that they're gonna lose all of that. But how much are you willing to risk for God? You got to be able to put it out. That's right. Put it all on the table. You got to be able to say, "Lord, you can have it all." I'll put it in my pockets and put it out. See, you, you, it's, it's a very astute. I've seen poker players and card players, and it's a very astute poker player who, when they're middle ways into the game, and they tell them, "Okay, place your bid," and they start reaching in their pocket. And they pull out everything they have and they say, I'm putting it all on the table. What what's the term they use? And, and they say, I'm all what? Yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in. In other words, I'm going all in. I'm going all in, Brother Darrell. I'm going all in. I'm putting everything on the table. My, my job, my life, my family. I'm putting it all on the table for God to use it. I'm all in. I'm risking it all. Is there a possibility that I might lose something? Yes, there's a possibility. But there's also a possibility that you might gain the entire pot. That's what they call it, but then anything that's on the table. If everybody else put things on the table, one person says, I'll put $10,000. The other person says, well, I'll put twenty. dollars Someone says, well, I'll up that to fifty. dollars And before you know it, you've got a, a 500000 that's on the table. That's a lot. And they say, well, okay, my brother or my sister, how much are you willing to risk? And you go to them, you say, well, I'm all in. I'm going to put it all. I'm going to risk it all. Everything. Putting it on the table. Because I believe that God has something better for me. Yes. So I'm going to risk it all. But there are others who will not risk anything. Because they're afraid that they're going to lose. 
They're afraid. They have not tried God and saw that he is a, a, is a, a winner. They have not tried him to see that he can open up the windows of heaven and pour them out blessings that they don't even have enough room to receive. They haven't tried him like that. See, until you get to a point where your life begins to try God, you really won't know what God can do. Or I'll say that again. When you allow your life to try God, then you really will understand what God can do. When your life is at risk, when they're telling you there's nothing else we can do, we, we see you're sick and there's nothing else we can do. So that's when your life is on the line. That's when you say, well, Lord, I'm all in. I, I, there's nothing else that they can do. So I'm all in. I'm in your hands. I'm putting it all on, on the table. Whatever you decide to do, God, is going to be pleased with me because I, I'm all in. I'm all in. See, a, a, a good person who knows really how to take risks they don't cry when they have went ahead and put it on the table. They don't look at it and go, oh, I wish I could have that back. No, 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 no. They look at it and they just are stern face. They call it a poker face. They look and they say, uh, I think I, I'm winning this game. They'll talk to you. They'll say, uh, do you have some more to put down with this? Because I believe that I'm going to win. So I want to get as much as I can. They'll use their poker face. They won't be all afraid. Oh, Lord, am I going to lose? Am I going to lose? No, no, no. They'll look confident. They'll say, do you have any more to put down? Do you want to add some more to, to what you've already put on the table? They look with confidence because they're a good player. And if they really believe that they're going to win, they'll go all in. They look at the cards and they say, I've got all the aces. i got four aces. And I have a king. So what is that? Yo, y'all haven't played card before. That's all right. Amen. But when you have four aces and you have the king, the king is high. You can't get any higher than the king other than an ace. So if you have this, exactly, that's spade. That's like a spade. But if you've got king and you've got four aces, you know nobody can't beat your hand. Because you've got the highest hand there is. You've got the most powerful cards there is. And that's how our life is with God. God gave Jesus Christ as the king because God already had all the aces. Yes, he did. So he sent Jesus as a king. And he says, I'm going to allow him to die. I'm going to allow him to be crucified on the cross. Why? Because I, I'm all in. I want you back that bad. God wanted you in your life that bad that he decided that I already have the aces, but there's one card left. And that's the what? That's the king. That's exactly right. That's the king. So he sent Jesus Christ. And he says, not only is he going to be a king, but he's going to be the king. He's going to be the king of what? And the Lord of lords. He sent him to die on a cross for us because he knew that he was all in. He was all in. He gave his life for us. He says that not only will Jesus give his life for you all, but you got to understand, I'm risking it all. I am. I'm risking it all. Mankind could have just as easily turned their back on God. All of them, including the disciples, could have turned their back on Jesus Christ and said, we reject you. We don't want you. But Jesus says, no, I don't believe they're all going to do that. I believe there's a remnant. I believe there's some that are still going to cling to me and hold on to the principles and the doctrine that I've taught them. And they're going to hold on to that to, even to the very end because they're all in just like me. They're all in. I'm here to tell you, you got to learn how to go all in, saints. You got to be all in on today. Yeah, you got to go all in on it today. He says to him that, yeah, in the 23rd verse, he says, wherefore then gavest not thou my money to, into the bank? Because even the bank knows if you put money in it, what do you think the bank's going to do? You think they're going to keep your money in the vault and let it sit there for the next for the few next years, couple of years, you put a million dollars in the bank? You think the bank is just going to sit on it, put, a, put it in a napkin, and put it in the, the, the safe deposit box? You think the bank's going to do that with your money? No. What is the bank going to do? They're going to invest it. They're going to take, lend out mortgages. They're going to lend out loans because they're going to say everything we lend out, we get even more back. So they're going to put it to work. They're going to occupy it. They're going to use it. Your money, they're going to use it. The, the master says, that's what I expected you to do. He says, that I, when I might, I might come in, I might require my own with usury. In other words, with interest. Hmm. And he said unto them that stood by, 
I'm in the 24th verse. Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath 10 pounds. Wow. Take the pound from him and give him 10 pounds. Give it to the one that has 10. In other words, take from the one that, that didn't do anything and give it to the one that was working. Jesus. Now, I don't know about y'all, but see, I see a principle going on here. I see the Lord saying, for those that are still working in his kingdom, and the ones who may have started and stopped, he's going to take from the ones that stopped and give it to the ones that are still running. Oh, yes, he is. God said there is a transfer that's going on right now. There's a shifting that's going on. There's a transfer of wealth that's going on. There are some people that have worked hard all their lives to get their own stuff, their own money. And they have millions and billions in the bank. But I'm here to tell you, one day God's going to tell somebody, give that to so-and-so. Give it to so-and-so over there. They need it more now than they ever did. So, and I see them working. I see them building. I see them trying to use what they have in order to get what they really truly want. They're working. They're occupying. And anytime somebody sees someone who's truly diligent and sincere about what they're doing, they don't mind helping them. They'll say, I see what you're doing, brother. You know, you're working in this yard. I see you got quite a bit more to go. Would it help you if I got you a tractor? Amen. And you say, yeah. Oh, wow, a tractor? I'm used to, to digging all this with a shovel by hand. And they say, well, let me get you a tractor because the tractor will make it a little easier for you. And they'll give you the tractor. They won't make you pay for it. They'll say, I got an extra tractor that you can use. I bought a new one, so I'll give you the old one. It's better than the shovel that you're using. So God has a way of allowing you, come on, somebody, to step up. Somebody shout that word. Lord, help me to step up. To step up. That's right. God has a way of allowing you to step up. If you just work for him, you'll do what he says to do. He'll allow you to step up. And when he gives you the ability to step up, you can look back and say, Lord, I thank you. It was nobody but you. Nobody but you, God. So he says, yeah, get taken away from the one and give him ten. He says then unto the other in the 26th verse, he says, for I say unto you, that unto everyone which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. What did he mean by that? He's saying when you have a heart and you have faith in God to know that God will bless you if you'll just do the work. Do what he asks you to do. Don't get discouraged. Don't get dismayed. Don't get discouraged and, and fall by the wayside. We have an expression of falling off the, off the wagon. Don't fall off the wagon. Instead, stay on board and tell God, I'm going to continue to occupy until you come. I may not see it the way I want to see it right now. And I may not see the growth that I want to see right now. I may not see the profit that I want to see right now. And I may not see the blessings that I want to see right now. But God, I'm going to occupy until you come. I'm going to still keep working this thing and working it and working it. And when I talk about this thing, I'm talking about the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You can continue working the Word of God until you see a manifestation of your faith. That's right. Yeah, we're still consistent with that word. When you see that God will take a little bit that you do, you say, well, Lord, I just did a few things in accordance with your word, and God blesses you. And you realize, wow, this works. This really works. The principles of God, they work. He says, when you have, you may have a few, you may have a little. Behold, I'm going to make you a ruler over many. I'm going to give you, I'm going to multiply that which you have. And I'm going to even bless you with things that you didn't even expect to get blessed by. Now, how many of you are a living witness that God will bless you with things you weren't even expecting? Yes, sir. Yes, Amen. Yes, he will. Amen. God will open up doors that you didn't even realize existed. Yes, He'll give you resources that you didn't even know God had for you. Yes, but because he says, you got to see it in your hand. Even though it's not there right now. You gotta see it until it manifests itself. You gotta keep exercising your faith until it manifests itself. Amen. And that's what that master was doing. He says, I'm giving you 10 pounds, each one of you. I'm giving y'all a certain amount because I expect you to do something with it. I expect you to work it. And in this kingdom, I'm here to tell each and everyone that's listening to this message, if you are not plugged in, if you are not occupied, if you're not working for the kingdom of God in a tangible way, I'm not, well, yeah, I'm, I pray. Uh, everybody prays uh, at some point in time. 
And but 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 I, I tell God, thank you, Jesus. And well, yeah, everybody says thank you, Jesus, at some point in time. But what are you doing consistently for God that He can honestly look at you and say, now they're working it. They're working it. They're working. They're working. They're occupying and they're waiting for me to come back. But they're not just sitting there waiting with their hands folded and sitting down. No. They're actually working. They're out in the vineyard. They're planting seeds. They're witnessing. They're doing things and they're telling people to come to Christ. They're sharing the word of God with them. They're studying their word. They're fellowshipping one with another to encourage one another. They're doing all of this and I see them doing it because they're occupying until I come. They're working until I come back. I'm here to tell you today, saints, many have fallen away. Many have fallen away. And the word of God said it would be so. He says in the last days, yeah, that the, the many will fall. There will be a great falling away. Now, are you part of the falling away? Or are you part of the occupy? All right, you gotta ask yourself that question and, and, and respond. In an answer to yourself, are you part of the falling away? Have you stopped doing what you used to do for God and you're not doing anything anymore? Or are you still occupied? I'm still working. I'm still doing what God told me to do. Amen. I'm here to tell you I'm certainly still here. I'm still standing here. Amen. I'm still here working, doing what God commanded me to do. It doesn't matter who has come. It doesn't matter who has gone. I'm still occupying because I know that God is coming back. Amen. And whatsoever is right, he's going to pay so I know that I, my expectation is in God. My expectation is in the Lord. Because I'm occupying until he returns. And when he returns, I want to be able to say, Lord, I stood and I continue to build. I continue to occupy. I continue to make things better for those that were serving you. We did this. Why? Because we were occupying until you come. We didn't stand still and say, well, because no one's here, we're not going to do this. We're not. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. We continue to work for the Lord. Because we know that whatever is right, he's going to pay. And in this day, I'm here to tell you that we will continue to occupy until he comes. If you've fallen off the wagon, if you've fallen by the wayside, I'm here to tell you, get up and jump back on. Jump back on. Get back in the lane. Get back in the race. Get back in the race. I'm inspired by a video clip I saw of an Olympic runner. And the runner had conditioned, she was a woman, she had conditioned herself for years to run this race. And it was, a, it was a, like a marathon race. And, and she had, had, for whatever reason, got sick during the running of the race. And she was probably no more than about a quarter of a mile from the finish line. She pressed her way all the way through the race until she was about a quarter of a mile from the finish line and the cramps in her legs were so severe, and she was so sick, she started becoming dehydrated, that she fell and she stumbled. And she got up and she kept trying to run. She was running kind of bent over, but she was still trying to make it. Some of the other runners were, who were stronger were passing her by. And she didn't let that discourage her. She didn't let that stop her. She didn't just sit on the ground and just watch them go by in front of her. No. She says, I'm in this race and if I don't win it, one thing I will do is I will finish it. So you have to have that kind of determination. Spiritually, you have to have that. If I don't win the things that I thought I was going to win, I'm still going to run because I'm going to finish this. I will finish my course. So she saw the runners going by and one lady who was running also saw the young woman there and she was, you know, barely able to make it. And you could tell she was, she was in pain and in agony. So the one young woman, she came to her and she put her arms around her and she helped her to kind of get upright. And she says, come on, you can make it. You can make it. You can, you can do it, you can do it. And she kind of looked like, it, it's still, it's still the, the finish line is still far away. She says, but you can do it. You can do it. Come on. Come on. We can do it. Come on. Let's, let's keep running. I'm running with you. Come on. And see, that's what happens when you have saints that are in fellowship. That's what happens when you become part of the church. And, and even though you see others leaving, you continue to stay there. And you continue to come. You encourage one another, and they encourage you. When you get down, they tell you, keep on running. Keep your head up. You can make it. And when they get down, you tell them, keep on running. Come on. We can make it. We can do this. And that's what happened. That's why the scripture said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. I'm in the volume of the book. Why? Because he says that's how you encourage one another. 
to keep running. If all you keep running, then guess what? You will finish your course. The young woman, she ran and she ran. And as she saw the finish line getting nearer and nearer and nearer to her and the other young woman that was helping her, she looked and she says, okay, okay, I think I got it now. I think I got enough strength where I can cross it myself. I can get across the line myself. And the, the, the young woman, that she asked her, she said, are you sure? Because I'll, I'll let you go if you think you can make it. She said, yeah, yeah, I see the finish line. And I think I can make it. And she started just kind of trotting on her own, on her own. Because she, the, the young woman gave her enough faith and enough support to let her know, even in the most difficult of times, you got somebody here who's willing to help you out. So you can finish your course, even when it's hard, even though your legs are cramping. I gave you some help, but I but I see now you're willing to get across that line for yourself. Yeah, you gotta have that kind of determination inside that says I'm willing to get across the line for myself. She limped across the line because the cramps came back. But as she saw that finish line, she saw that finish line. She limped across that finish line, and when she did, the young woman that was there that had helped her began to clap and tell her, you did it. You did it, and as she clapped, everybody else began to clap, and those who had finished the race also, they began to clap, and the ones in the crowd, they began to clap, and the media, the ones who were operating the television cameras, began to focus their cameras on her, and before you know it, the climax of the race was not so much an event for the one who actually came in first. It was an event for the one who persevered and who, who gave up all she had to get across the finish line. And all of the attention, all of the media, public, and uh, the publicity and everything focused on her. And they kept playing the video clip over and over and over of her limping across that finish line. And they said, now that's the true winner. That's a true champion. That's somebody who really and truly has a determination to win the race. We have to be the same way, saints. This message on 10 pounds is no less than our, our race that we're in for God. Because it is a race to the finish line. And I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't give in and don't, 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 don't bow out. You're already in it. So you might as well win it. Amen? Amen. You need to say that to yourself. I'm already in it. So I might as well win it. Amen. If I can't win it, then definitely finish it. Amen. Amen. If I start it, then you might as well finish it. Amen. And that's what God is speaking to us on today. Yes. I want you to stand to your feet with me because we're going to pray. Not only for those that are in this church on this morning, but also for those that are in the virtual space. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith because I believe that God wants you to finish your course. Yes. Yes. He wants you to finish your course. And he wants you to occupy that which he has given you. Use that what's in your hand. Don't go looking for somebody else's gifts. Don't go looking for somebody else's resources. You use what God has given you to do the things that God has commanded you to do. You know what God is telling you to do. And if you've neglected that, then now is the time to repent and to say, God, I'm sorry. And I'm going back to the work that I used to do. I'm going back to what I used to do. Because what I used to do was blessing me through you. What I used to do pleased you, God. And I walked away from that. And now I see not only is it more difficult, because when you walk away from God, God stands there and says, okay, I give you a free will and a free choice. You can walk away from your blessings if you want. But sooner or later, you're going to realize how desperately you need God. That's right. And how desperately you need his blessings. So on today, I'm praying for those that have walked away praying for those that have gone by the wayside, those who have fallen off the cart, those who said, I don't even know if God will accept me back. I'm here to tell you that he has his arms open wide because he knows what's in you and he's not finished with you. He still wants to use you. He still wants you to work for him. So occupy until he comes. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I praise you right now, God for this word that has gone forth. I thank you for each and every one. I thank you for just blessing the word to come through me, God, because you know what you will have to speak to your people on today. And today, God, I pray that we have encouraged someone's heart and that we've also stirred someone up who has abandoned you, Lord. You haven't abandoned them, they've abandoned you. 
But right now, God, let them turn back to see you. Come running back to you and say, Father, it is I, Lord. I'm part of you, Lord. I'm your vessel. I'm your servant. And I'm willing to work. God, I thank you right now that you'll open up the windows of heaven and you give them the resources and the blessings that they need in order to fulfill their role that you called them to. Let them occupy, God, until you come. Bless them that they may finish the race, God. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how tedious it is, let them finish the race. Let them have enough faith in their hearts right now, God, to say, God, I know you will allow me to make it. I thought I needed to give up, but I realized I was wrong, God. Let them acknowledge that they were wrong and be able to come running back to you, Father, so that they can gain strength and live the life that you, Lord, have called them to live. I pray, Lord, for the ones that are also unable, Lord, to run, those who are sick, God. Let somebody who has the strength be able to come and help carry them, God. For that is what you have designed us for. That is why you're giving us your word, why you're teaching us, how, why you're leading us and guiding us. is so that we can also be a help to others, Jesus. We thank you for that on today. We bless your name. We ask that you bless each and every one that's in this building in a very special way. Bless them right now, God, that your anointing will overshadow them. I feel it right now. I feel it in the place right now. You're, Lord, you're filling and submerging yourself into the atmosphere, even while we're standing here. And we pray right now, God, that you allow us to be vessels, conduits, God. I hear your word, conduits for your word, and conduits for your grace, conduits for your blessing. Bless them, Lord, that they may be a blessing to others. Bless them, Lord, put them in a position, Father, that they may be able to help others. And in order to do that, they have to first be able to help themselves. We thank you right now, God, for doing that for us. We thank you for pouring out your blessing on us today, God. And let us right now, God, occupy with the things that you've given us. Let us work it, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We thank God for his word. You have just listened to another episode of the Greater Harvest Podcast. We hope that you have had an ear for what the word has to say to you. And we pray that your life will be changed for the better as a result of that. Please join us here again very soon and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more from the harvest. See you soon. Be blessed.